0: If you guys will, uh, grab your Bibles or get one from the back. And open with me to Acts four twenty three thirty seven. 37 When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who thought the mouth of our father David, your servant, said, to, said by the Holy Spirit? Why did the Gentiles rage and people pl- plot in vain? The kings of earth set themselves, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For, tr- for truly in the city they were gathered together, "...against your holy servant Jesus, who you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon those, their threats and grant your servants to continue to speak your words with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed." through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Now a full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of these things belonged to him, was his own, but they, they had everything in common, they held everything in common. And with great power, the, uh, the apostles were given uh, their testimony and resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of land and houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus, Joseph, who is also, also called by the apostles Barnabas, uh, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it, to, laid it at the apostles' feet. The word of the Lord.
1: Right. Thank you very much. Again, that was Acts chapter 4. Verse uh, verse 30, 23, excuse me, through 37. Hope y'all are well today. uh, We're in this series in Acts that we are calling Spirit-Filled. Spirit Spirit being like the Holy Spirit and our desire to be Spirit-Filled. Each Sunday, just about, I've said why I would like to see us as a church body more Spirit-filled. And there are many reasons that you could really go on and on and on. But uh, today, why would we want to be Spirit-filled? Well, we see in this passage that the disciples are bold. And we actually talked about this the last couple of weeks. So I want us to be Spirit-filled so that we can have boldness, but also that all of y'all, all of y'all here today, all those who are here coming to Bellwether Church, would lead lives of significance. And I would say this, I want to be spirit-filled because I want us, I want this church to change the world. I mean, that's, that's always been a dream, a vision, since this church was birthed by God, be a world-changing, globe-trotting, church-planting, lives-changing Church big things, okay? Now, I I would hope all of you have big dreams and big visions for your life and to lead lives of significance. But what if, let me say this, what if like what if you don't like have this huge platform in life? Or what if you don't have this uh, metaphorically speaking, this big mic to speak to I don't know, thousands or or nations or Can you still lead a life of significance? Can you still lead a spirit-filled life? Can you still live boldly? You know, Billy Graham just passed. Funeral, I believe, was Friday. Uh, Somebody tweeted, and I do tweet, well, it was Russell Moore, and he said, I believe that Billy Graham is the most important evangelist since the Apostle Paul. And I would actually agree with that, no matter what you think of uh, his ministry. Uh, And there are some folks that, weren't big fans, but I think it's very important. I think he led this great life of significance for the glory of God. Now, what's interesting, though, I was texting uh, a friend of mine who is a pastor of a church in L.A., Los Angeles. Uh, His name's Rankin Wilburn. Let's say who he is. And he uh, he actually wrote a book. And so he has a book publishing team. And we were texting about Billy Graham, and he said, uh, and I want to share this. Because he said this to this team earlier in the week. and so he said, speaking of Billy Graham, I had an hour-long conversation with my book publishing team today on the crucified life. That not only was Jesus crucified for us, but you know what? As Christians, we're, we're called to crucify our own life and give it up. That's sometimes not too easy. Uh, one of the editors uh, commented, with Billy Graham's death, all of us are thinking, we want to live this significant life. And wow, did he live a significant life. So I said, not me, but this guy, this pastor, Rankin, he said, well, you know, that's interesting. Don't get me wrong. I think Dr. Graham is amazing. God has used him in unprecedented ways, which he has. But whether or not he lived a significant life, we will have to wait until Matthew 25 to discover that. And the team said, what do you mean? I said, it's the word significant you're using. You know, the same week, he goes on, that Billy Graham died, a young doctor in our church died of cancer. He just started his profession, cut down right at the beginning. And his wife had spent the last two years caring for him. Was that a significant life? This idea of being crucified to our own life has to challenge our notion of what makes for a significant life. Then he quotes, he goes on to, Quote, C.S. Lewis on this lady named Sarah Smith, which is a make, made-up, make-believe name. He says, whatever her name was, but the one who was great in heaven that earth had never heard of. God is not impressed by the size of our platforms. 1 Corinthians three ten through 15. He's impressed by our motives and our holiness, and only God and God alone sees that and knows that. Only God sees what's in our hearts. That's what counts as significant. God's estimation of our work and who we're doing our work for. A lot of ministry, we say, for the glory of God, is really for the glory of our own names. God still uses us in spite of ourselves. And then this lady said, wow, you're you're being pretty tough on us. And he said, well, if I can't convince the five of you and myself about the crucified life. How am I going to ever convince thousands of other people? And he leads a big church. So. But it really struck me, and I was glad to have that texting exchange. And, you know, we think about Billy Graham's thing like, only those guys can live this significant, spirit-filled, this bold life. No, everybody. So we're doing this spirit-filled, I mean, yes, for our church. And, man, I want to change the world. And that's always dream, vision, passion. But also to live lives of significance whether it is caring for someone as they're about to die, walking with someone after death, raising children. I mean, these things that the earth, the world, may seem very small in God's eyes, and we'll find out, like Matthew 25 one day, be very, very significant. And that is spirit-filled. So today, as we read about the disciples immediately went to the Lord in prayer. And we're going to focus in our remaining time on prayer. Because the only way, I said only, not multiple, like one of a few. The only way we can be a Spirit-filled church, you can lead a Spirit-filled, significant life, the only you say, well, acts everything. No, it all starts with prayer. Prayer. Because prayer is communication to the Lord. Whether we're thanking God or we're asking God, which most of our prayer or mine or asks, or adoring God, or worshiping God, it's all prayer. So that life of significance, it only happens through prayer. And so I want to make it simple. I, I titled the sermon, and I'm not like much on titles, but I call it Acts of Prayer, which you know, going through Acts. Yo yo, kind of cool. I don't know. No, I mean, not really. I mean, it's just, you know, acts of prayer. But I want to talk about acts before prayer, acts during prayer, acts after prayer, and our acts of prayer as a church body, okay? So, try to be real simple, real clear. But acts before prayer, like what happens to get us to pray? Because maybe some of you are like, well, I mean, I'm praying all the time, 24 7, constantly. Keep talking, okay? I mean, that'd be great, and and there are people who say that, but I don't know. I might, I might, I might throw a um, a ball on you there. Anyway, so but what happens to get us to our knees? What happens to get us to pray? Well, here in Acts 4, go back to recap. The Spirit came down, Acts chapter 2. Automatically, there was miracles. The miraculous was happening. Acts 3... The first physical healing, we've covered that. Immediately after that, there is persecution as they get hit. So the devil is using, and I do believe it's the devil, and we believe the devil is real, uses other people and attacks them and tries to cut them down. And then Peter's bold. And then we get to this passage in Acts 4. What do they do? It says, verse 24, when they heard this, they raised their voice together to God. That would be prayer, praying. And said, I'm gonna stop right there. So all of these things that had happened, both good it's like a roller coaster. And our lives can be exactly the same. Our Christian life. Our life before we we're Christian. Highs of the Holy Spirit, of what God provides, lows of persecution and attacks and depression and death and things. And then get on our knees. And go to God. Now, I think it's important to think about Acts before prayer because it really answers for me at least this question of why bad things happen to good people. That's a, the classic kind of skeptic or hey, I'm agnostic or I'm atheist. Why do bad things happen to good people? I I had yesterday probably the worst thing that has happened to me, like in life, in, in several years, okay? It wasn't physical. Thankfully, it didn't happen. It happened by people to me. Thank God it wasn't anybody in the church, okay? (laughs) Seriously. But I found out that two people that I thought, and I want want to see a raising of hands on this one, okay? If you're visitors, you don't have to, but, I mean, those who know me. But I found out people who I thought were, like, friends just stabbed me in the back. Has that ever happened? Thank you. Okay, thank you. And the other thing, it affected my kids. (laughs) Okay? Now I always like to say, look, you hurt my kids. I'm happy to start a prison ministry. I mean I'm not gonna feel called (laughs) to it. But you like hurt my, you know, I will go there. Okay? You know, God, no accents in Christianity, God works. So so I was really hurt. I still am. Like, you know, I'm gonna talk about this at the end when we pray for people. It's really hurt. And the whole, uh, it hadn't even been 24 hours since I found out, but this whole time I've been resting, like, it's got me to my like God, what do I do with this? Like what do I I'm gonna see these people? What do I what do I say? How do I how do I manage this, this new tension in me to uh, I hate these people but I'm called to love them. Okay? Let's be real. Like I can't stand them. Why do bad things happen to good people? Well it got it's got me on my knees both physically and metaphorically, and really reach out to God. Like, how do I deal with this as, as a Christian, even before as a pastor, and like pastor of a community, a church? How do I deal with this, Lord? So I think it's very important to think about acts before prayer happens because it does answer, like, why do bad things happen to good people? Well, it's gotten me to really, you know, look deep and like, what do I? how do I act? How do I, what do I believe? How do I, what do I believe in you, Lord? How are you working in this? And getting me on the knees in real prayer and conversation to the Lord. And I'll let you know the answer that I come up with when that answer comes. Okay, I've got a few, but it's it's uh, it's complicated. It's Relationships are complicated. Betrayal is common and complicated. So, acts before. So, got me to my knees, got these disciples to the knees. Then, acts during prayer. So, it's very important to think about, like, I mean, I'm not like, always big on step-by-step, but, like, how do we pray step-by-step? And so I really want to try to be helpful here for you to think about your prayers. Often, our prayer life is consumed of asks, or mine is, asking the Lord. But Jesus did say a fair bit about prayer. Well, one thing he, he didn't say, but the Bible tells us, Jesus prayed often. Jesus went to places that were... Where he was alone in solitude, often early before sunrise, and, and he prayed. So Jesus prayed, we should pray. He also said things like, Don't be showy with your prayers, or so that, that's me paraphrasing. Uh, he would use illustrations like, See the real religious folks and shouting out their prayers, uh, and then hear the person who goes into their closet to pray. And in fact, if you, I'm on a Bible reading plan, and this was not planned, but today's reading was in Luke 18, which the beginning is, is all about prayer, which is interesting. I was reading it this morning. I was like, wow, here, here we go. So I, I want to read it to you, Luke 18. If you, uh, you don't have to turn to it, but you can at least make a note. Luke 18, and really 1 through 14, Jesus talks about prayer, tells us how to pray. Verse 1, Luke 18, it says, Now he told them a parable on the need for them to pray always and not give up. There was a judge in a certain town who didn't fear God or respect people, and a widow in that town kept coming to him saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he was unwilling, but later he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or respect people, yet because this widow keeps pestering me, I will give her justice so that she doesn't wear me out by her persistent coming. Then the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. Will not God grant justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay helping them? I tell you that he will swiftly grant them justice. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and looked down on everyone else. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. And, and as some of you know, a tax collector was reviled and basically looked like, for the Jews, like scum, okay, scum of the earth. So the Pharisee was standing and praying like this about himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, greedy, unrighteous, adulterers, can't you just see them? Or even like this tax collector here, I fast twice a week, I give a tenth of everything I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even raise his eyes to heaven, but kept striking his chest and saying, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you, this one went down to his house justified rather than the other because everyone who exalts himself will be humble, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. So Jesus prays often, tells us to pray often, tells us to pray in humility. And he also, he gives us this prayer to pray. Which is what? It is the Lord's Prayer. So He gives the Lord's Prayer. Now, Jesus doesn't mean in every prayer, pray the Lord's Prayer. I mean, you can if you want to. But really, if you look at the Lord's Prayer, it is this model for prayer. It's really a how to pray. And in this prayer, there's four parts. And I've used this before, and I've seen it used. So, it would be called the Acts of Prayer. There's that word again, Acts. Let's put it up on screen. Acts of prayer because each letter is a word for how as a Christian our Christian life we should pray A for adoration C for confession T thanksgiving S supplication which supplication means the ask and interesting in this in this acts the way we look at it that comes last and in the Lord's prayer I mean I know all of us can recite the Lord's Prayer, which I'm just drawing a blank right now. But our Father who art in heaven, there you go, give me a, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed, adore. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give, there's ask, give us. But before that ask, there's the adoration, there's the thanksgiving. And so I really, I've always used this thinking about my prayer life, thinking about individual prayers. Is there adoration? Uh, is there confession of, of sin in, in my heart that people don't see? Is there thanksgiving, thanking the Lord for what he provides? Is, is there asking? Because he wants us to ask. I just read the Bible passage. Ask. Ask away. Praying is not just to be like, oh, you know, thank you, God, and you're great, and you're awesome, and rah, rah, I'm here, you know, champion, king. It's an ask. So please ask. Ask away. Be persistent. In this passage here, again, they are uh, Luke does not mention any, any type of posture. I mean, you can pray on your knees, you can pray in your seat, you can pray standing, you can pray driving, you can pray it doesn't mention posture there's no ceremony. I mean they 're pretty immediate, but he does show us the words and, and what I see here in this prayer, going over it real quick, I definitely see the adoration, Master, that would be God. Verse 24, you're the one who made heaven, earth, sea, and everything in them. You said through the Holy Spirit by the mouth of our father David. Which is pretty awesome if you think about it because the Holy Spirit just came down, but they're connecting hundreds of years before to David, God's Holy Spirit. They connect Scripture to the prayer. And then they say, in fact, this city Herod, verse 27, Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles, the people of Israel... Assembled together against Jesus, whom you anointed to do whatever your hand and your will had. And here's that word. It's pretty loaded, so get ready. Predestined. This is not a sermon on that, but the word is in there, predestined to take place. And I say that, so I think there's also thanksgiving, even though they don't say thank you, but that God's already planned everything out. God knows. This prayer is even saying, you you planned, you orchestrated the cross, and you orchestrated or used Herod, Pontius Pilate, all these bad dudes. It was your deal. It was your plan from the beginning. No accidents in Christianity. Cross, definitely not an accident. And that's in the prayer too. So there's this thanksgiving. There's this adoration. And then there is the ask. Verse 29, Lord, consider their threats. Grant that your servants may speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand for healing and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. So one thing I love about this prayer is they're connecting the human with the heavenly, heavenly Father God, together. Because they're not just asking him to go do all these works, signs, wonders, miracles. Him being God. They're saying, we're praying for our lives and our mouths and our words to be bold while at the same time you're doing all this work, so together, I don't know, advancing, raising, whatever, the kingdom of God. And I love that. It's a great indicator, example of how God uses us broken folks then and now with His supernatural work together. And that's that's their prayer. Last thing I'd say about acts during prayer is sometimes your prayers can be like very simple and very quick, and sometimes they need to be. There's a great there's a great uh, story. Actually, there's a couple verses in Nehemiah. Nehemiah gets a lot of it gets a lot of uh, leadership uh, press because Nehemiah was a great leader and he built or uh, rebuilt the temple. But these couple. Verses up on screen. Nehemiah 2, 4 through 5. Look at this. Sometimes we can glance over, read through Scripture, but Nehemiah 2, 4 and 5. The king asked me, this is Nehemiah, what is your request? They're talking like, you know, face to face. Then it says, so I prayed to the God of the heavens and answered the king. If you reach up to me, and then he gives his request. This is not a passage or not a... Um, a sermon on Nehemiah, but I, just, I think it's fascinating. He's like, he's telling the king, he's praying right as he asks that question and then he gives him the answer. So how long do you think that prayer was? A second? Half a second? I mean, you can be praying through conversations that often we get into and be praying while you are talking. Sometimes we really need to be praying while we're in conversation. Amen? Come on. You know what I'm talking about? Like, especially somebody who maybe you don't like or those complicated relationships you can be praying and talking at the same time i know it may be it might be tough but you can be praying and lifting up to the lord as you are talking sometimes we really need to be so acts these acts during prayer and then there are acts after prayer so what the what are the acts after prayer well there's things happen regardless of who you are I mean, I believe you're praying humbly. You got the right heart. Things are going to happen. I mean, it may not be the answer to your prayer, as you know, the classic song goes, but I mean, things are going to happen. And here there's a result from all these prayers. First, the place starts shaking. <laughs> it says that, verse 31. The place where they were assembled was shaken. And here's the title to this whole series, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God. Their prayer was answered boldly. Who were they speaking to? Well, one another, others. So it brought this boldness. It brought supernatural activity physically. And then at you know, the end of this passage, it also brought this, this unity, this Spirit. This something that is different from like the rest of the world. Not just individuals, but people being together. It says the entire group, verse 32, of those who believe were of one heart and mind. No one claimed any of his possessions was his own. So it was not a hoarding mentality. It was not, this is mine. Hey, stay away. This is mine. I mean, I'm here, but all this stuff is mine. Thank you. Hands off. It's not that. Instead, they held everything in common. With great power, the apostles, that's plural. So leaders were being raised. Unlikely leaders were being raised. Giving testimony to the resurrection of Jesus. Great grace on them all. Not a needy person among them. There's no need. And they started selling possessions. I'm not telling you to do that. I'm just saying what the Bible says. And what prayer can lead to. So you might, you might be afraid or frightened. You should be. God is not tame, our Lord. Chronicles of said, Aslan's not tame. He's good. He's not tame. He's going to call you. You're going to get to a point where you want to follow him and want to do those things that you're like, man, I'd never do that. So they give away. There's not a needy person. And look at this. I, I love this Barnabas at the very end. I, I call this encouragers become providers too. Uh, often, it's, it's very easy, you know, talk about raising leaders or raising like leaders. First step is being an encourager. But Barnabas, we don't know anything else about him here, so I'm just, I'm kind of guesstimating on this. But he becomes this provider too. Sells, what does he sell? Sold a field. Didn't save the money. Brought the money. Laid at the apostles' feet. Even these these leaders change. Barnabas is already a leader. It's another step. So there is there are these acts after prayer that contribute to the kingdom, to the church. And these things really happen. And they're really possible here now. So that's what the last thing I talk about is our acts of prayer. And when I say our, I'm talking about this body, this 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 membership, thankful for those of you all visiting. But our acts of prayer as a church, and we can look at in a couple ways. We can look at it like individually, like you, me, like you know, how's my how's my prayer life, and and corporately as well. How is how is our prayer life together? You know, it, I mean, if I'm honest, well, I just say this: I want it to grow more and more because I do really believe this that spirit filled things of God only happen. By prayer, significant lives only happen through prayer. there, there are other things to do, but it, it has to begin and never end in prayer and so like for me, I, I will say this just you know i 'm never part of the DNA how god 's wired me. my wife could tell you this as well, but like i 'm never going to be like a, a showy prayer warrior i 'm actually never going to be like probably showy worship guy, although I'll, I'll hit a one-hander every now and then, amen, come on, Rare, sometimes, I mean really, you know, to Easter up here, but my natural, like, just working, I'm just not, it's just not me, it's just, and, and really part of that is, because I know how I was for years and years and years, and like, the, I'm just being honest here, no offense to double-handers or, or show, you know, so many years that, that turned me off as someone who was not walking with the Lord. And really led me away from the church. So I'm so sensitive. Um, no offense to you guys in the back. I'm just The people in the back that kind of come in and like, you know, very, very sensitive to that. But man, I pray. I mean, and I do. I mean, I don't pray all the time. But I pray pretty consistently. And those, those seconds in the midst of the conversation, that time driving, uh, man, I'm praying. And, and I'm praying a lot, often for, for y'all for the life of this church. So I do want our prayer time to grow more and more. An awesome opportunity is during our communion time, whether at the altars or in your seat. But I, wanna, I just want to close. I want to give you some specific things, whether you're a member or you're visiting, whether you're a Christian or not, uh, that, you could, that you could be praying for. So like for us as Bellwether members, I'd, I'd ask you to pray for... First thing, I'd ask you to pray for Easter Sunday. It's a baptism service. I'd ask you to pray for baptisms because I think the baptism is a is an act of God. It's a spirit-filled act that influences other people, both Christians who have been baptized and those not. So I would ask you, pray for many baptisms Easter morning, okay? Like, we don't have any lined up right now. But, like, pray that the boldness of of people would would be... Would happen where they say, you I know, I need, I need this. That God would speak and they would be, they would respond. Pray for Easter morning. Pray Easter morning is super. I mean, supernatural acts happen every time we gather. Pray that, like, pray God really moves and shakes. Are you even praying for Easter morning right now? You don't have to answer that. It's just a check, okay? Are you? It's kind of a good check on our church's prayer life. Pray for Easter week. You know, we're having a Good Friday service, like I said earlier. Um, it's not going to be rah rah. It'll be pretty heavy, pretty dark. But we need to feel that. I mean, like I, every time I hear now the nails in the cross, and there's gonna you're gonna hear that sound this today again. I mean, I'm I'm nailing two names, okay, those brothers I just talked about to the cross today. Nailing them to the cross, baby. You know, feel that nail, okay? But every time I do that, I think about. I think about Jesus' hand. That nail going through. That really happened. That really, really happened for you. We need to feel we need to feel that. Not literally, but like the weight of it. Pray for that. Pray for that week. Pray for Palm Sunday and, and Easter egg hunt and all that, that that people from streets and neighbors would come and Feel the real deal church, and not like fake, but authentic. Not that, it, not that other churches are fake, but often, yeah, I mean, we just get churchy you know. Pray for that. Pray for uh, this summer, uh, VBS, our kids, family, pray for Honduras, the leadership of Honduras. I mean, I know some are kind of on the fence. Should they go, should they not go? Pray about that. Pray that team coalesces. It's good and healthy and strong and opens people's eyes going overseas. Pray for the, the process we're in right now. I mean, I'm saying it of leaving the United Methodist denomination. How many of y'all know about this? I mean, if you're just here for the first time, you probably don't, but you're hearing it. Yeah, we uh, essentially, as, as members, have voted informally twice, and we're leaving because we differ in how we see Scripture how we see church leadership, but pray for that process. I mean, they are good people in that denomination. I mean, my brother's one is a pastor, my dad's sir, I mean, they're good, but it's, this is the DNA of how God has made us and shaped us and moving us. Pray for that process. Pray for people who've hurt you. Pray, actually, let me, this is better. Pray that you can pray for those who've hurt you. Is that better? Because honestly, that's my prayer. If I'm being real. Like, there are people I can't pray for. Maybe just two right now. But there are people that, that I can't pray for. So I pray, God, help me pray for these folks. So this is, you know, non bellwether member, whether you're visiting, whether you're just here. Like, pray. God, I have been hurt. I have been betrayed. I have been stabbed in the back. Help me pray for that person. Because in that prayer, you believe that God could work miracles of heart restoration and possibly a relational reconciliation. Possible. It may not always happen. I can't promise you that. You know, maybe they're Christian and you just have the best cup of coffee ever in heaven one day and talk it through then. Or maybe here on earth. But pray like, God, help me pray for them. So we're going to close now and we're going to offer everybody an opportunity first to take communion. Uh, And like last week, ushers will direct you from the sides and I just will direct you, and you come forward, and then we're going to move the cross down here. And we try to do something different each day to nail to the cross. Today is different, in the sheets that you write, or I, maybe it's just me, but I got two, like I said, are red. And so we've been writing white sheets, and then we've got a couple spots up there, like literally the spots of blood. Because these uh, people, I'm going I'm to ask you to give God a prayer. Maybe that prayer is a person, maybe not, okay? But like specifically, give God a prayer. Like give them someone like, God, I'm giving you them. And it may be heal your heart about this person. It may be, I love this person. I need you to, I need you to just do your thing, your work, your supernatural activity, anointing on this person's life. But I'd encourage you to write a name. It could be initials or and in this red sheet because Jesus' blood does cover it all covers it all. covers all our sin. And Lord willing, maybe the name is not a Christian, that they would know that. It covers our sin, and it's how we have forgiveness, by the blood of Christ. So that is is my ask that you pray, prayerfully consider. Give a prayer to the Lord. And again, it may be a person, it may not, but you will have an opportunity to come forward, take communion, and do what we've done over the last couple weeks. Give something to the Lord, nail it on the cross. We do this every Sunday during Lent because the blood of Jesus heals. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your healing power. Maybe see that, maybe know that. Help us, give us the power to pray for people we don't want to pray for, like legit prayers, real prayers, like that they would flourish. Heal our hearts, restore relationships. We pray for this church that it would flourish. Uh, that it would um, not just function but flourish uh, over and over again by your power, by your spirit-filled power. In the name of Christ we pray, amen.